Welcome to another edition of the Two Off the Tee podcast brought to you by IB Sports and Club Junkies and sponsored by our wonderful sponsor, Sabbath Golf. Please go to sabbathgolf.com. Check out their selections of amazing golf products. If you will use the promotion code of two off the T, and that is with the number two, you will receive 15% off any and all purchases that you make on that site. I highly recommend you doing that. And this podcast will be up on the IB Sports Podcast Network probably sometime tonight. Uh, I am your host, Keith Fleming. Scott Porter, who was, uh, you know, normally my co-host. He is not here tonight. He is busy being a ladies' man. Uh, We had to change up the date of the podcast. And, uh, you know, Scott's a young man, 24 years old. Good for him. He said he had a date and he could not cancel. So hope things are going well, Scott. Uh, But today I am joined by a special guest host. I.B. Yeezus, otherwise known as Actively Lazy on social media. You'll see him on the I.B. Facebook group if you're in the group. He was just on our last episode discussing gambling on golf. Today we're going to be discussing Rory versus Brooks rivalry uh, with some of the news that has, uh, you know, started and been in the media from the comments that Kepka made last week. We're going to then discuss the Skins Challenge uh, that took place on Monday, uh, and then we're going to talk about the Zozo Championship. So, uh, IB, Jesus, you there, buddy? Yep, I'm here. What's going on, man? You doing all right? Yeah, I'm doing good. I can't complain. Doing a whole lot better than Scott Piercy right now. That is true. Hopefully you're not doing better than Scott Porter. I don't know if you had jumped on yet, but my man's, you know, got a hot date tonight. We had to swap the date for the podcast, and uh, that's why he's not here tonight. But I really appreciate you jumping on and letting us get this podcast up and doing it with me. You ready to get this thing rolling? Yeah, man. All right, so we're going to start with the Rory versus Brooks rivalry. Uh, In case you have not heard – During the middle of last week, Kepka started basically a shitstorm on social media. When a quote came out, he was asked about his rivalry with Rory McIlroy. And he said, and this is the direct quote, I've been out here for, what, five years? Rory hasn't won a major since I've been on tour, so I don't view it as a rivalry. Rory was asked about Kepka's comments at the Skins Challenge in Japan on Monday, which we'll get into in a minute, that event. And I'm going to paraphrase what Rory said here, but basically said it's hard when you're asked about other guys on tour. He said that Kepka wasn't wrong. And then with a big smile on his face said, I don't think he had to remind me I hadn't won a major in five years. He then went on to say that Brooks is the number one player in the world for a reason. And I do view him as a rival because, you know, he obviously wants that spot. Alan, is, is this good for golf? I think it's great for golf. I think anybody that's vocal and uh, saying something that's remotely polarizing for any sport right now is great. Um, I'm surprised it didn't catch as much uh, headway as I thought it would, but Brooks, just he's just a straight shooter, man. <laughs> like, from the slow play comments to, to this, I mean, that's just who he is. I don't, I don't think he's 
posturing or, or trying to be some tough guy. He's just one of those people that if you ask him what's on his mind, he's he's pretty much going to tell you, and I can respect that. And there's there's two things that I take from this. One, I completely agree with you. It's great for golf. I saw a lot of people getting fired up on social media, and I'm like, this is exactly why this is great for golf. Uh, Tiger Woods mm-hmm. is 43 years old. He's got a bad back, bad knees, a bad neck. The days of Tiger, uh, you know, competing on a regular basis, being the focal point of the tour, there's, there's very few of those days left. And the fact of the matter is, he is still the only major draw they've had in the last 20 years. They don't have anybody mm-hmm. that can move the needle anywhere near what Tiger can do. And that worries me about, you know, the game I love, the tour, everything, because they're not going to be, re- you know, re- able to rely on him for forever. So in order to do that, they're going to have to create storylines. And everybody loves beasts. I mean, part of what made the Tiger feel you know, feud in the early 2000s to, to mid-late 2000s. Interesting, it wasn't because of the results on the golf course. It was more lopsided than this, where Tiger was winning all the time and Phil was kind of getting the scraps. But people thought they didn't like each other, so that enhanced, basically, the rivalry and made it more interesting. It's just a lot more interesting when two guys are competing and you know that they just don't like each other. The other really interesting thing about this for me is there you are right about Kepka, but I think this is a purposeful move by him because really this has only started in the last year, and it was around the time that he got really offended because he was left off all the sportsmen of the years despite winning two majors. He wasn't invited to the ESPN ESPYs for athlete of the year. He was not getting the recognition he deserved. And rightfully so, he should be upset. And I think that, you know, in today's world, there's you, you put together a team. He has a social media, a PR team, and they're telling him, look, you're a great golfer, but you're kind of boring. You know what I mean? Like you don't have mm-hmm. the automatic personality flair that Tiger did. You're going to have to create stories to get attention. And, I mean, since then, it's like what you said about the slow play. I need to remind people he came into the first major of the year saying that majors are easier and like 75% of the field is done on day one. And he's made comments left and right all year that were kind of like, holy shit, like, wow. And I think he's doing it to draw attention. If he continues to win at this rate that he has and being dominant in the majors, and then he's also not afraid to be the bad guy, which I just, I love that. Uh, My favorite LeBron year was when he went to the Heat and just embraced it. Like, I, I love when an athlete's like, okay, yeah, hate me. I don't care. I think he knows what he's doing, and he knows this is good for golf. Do you agree? Yeah, and um, I, I think it, it is a calculated move, um, but I also think it's a calculated move from a competitive angle. Um, I haven't been following golf as long as everybody else, but um, my take on a lot of what goes through uh, Rory's um, results, especially in these majors, is, is mental, you know. And then you got somebody like Brooks, who's who's, um, you know, he just won, or Rory just won the uh, PGA Championship um, not too long ago, and and he's been hyped, and rightfully so. And like you said, Brooks has kind of gotten left behind, but I think the edge for Brooks is definitely to to play to this mental game um, and just talk trash to him. I mean, Rory seems like a nice guy, man. Like I don't. I don't think he's he's one of those guys that would really 
like give it back to you, you know, like with the trash talk. But on the course, you can kind of tell there are times when he's in the lead or he's playing good golf and when he's paired up with certain people, it, it rattles him. So I think Brooks is just kind of making a, a power move, thinking ahead. Um, also, I would like to say that for golf to to really get into the, the mainstream, they really do need people like Brooks. Um, they, they need people to actually talk. Uh, I kind of disagree with Brooks not having a personality. My first interaction with Brooks um, as a, as a um, athlete and a person was when Joe Buck mistakenly called his girlfriend the wrong name. And I thought that was awesome. <laughs> I think it was at the U.S. Open a couple years back. But um, I've, I've been a fan ever since, man. And, and um, there's a lot of golfers on, on tour with personalities who are cool, who are funny. Um, and they've got um, things that really need to be marketed. And I think that's on golf. I think I really think that's on the sport of golf to, to put these guys out there. I mean, even now with the Zozo, we can't even watch it until 10 o'clock uh, in the States unless you pay for the app. And then even even on the app they don't have it as live. You you're just following stats and and uh, Twitter up until ten. Like they really need to put more emphasis on getting these guys on TV um, and and not just CBS for the final round, but but figure out something, man. Maybe we can get some more golf on ESPN. I mean, it it really needs to get into the forefront to to really get people to understand that there are uh, there are that the sport itself is entertaining right now. I love that point because there is nobody that is more old school, old ways than Augusta National. I mean, it's, you know, for all its greatness, it's pretty snooty, old school. Even Augusta National's got where you can basically watch at least feature groups the entire tournament. And most players, you can watch their entire rounds. And if Augusta National is going to allow, you know, that kind of access and, and visibility, absolutely something like this should be not to mention this is the first time they've done this it's over in japan it's the top 60 players i completely agree let's let's move we're going to stay on this but let's go to the other part of this the big argument that i saw like on the club junkies page and on a lot of places in social media was well who really is owning this rivalry and you had obviously the kepka people that are pounding their chest with the four majors uh, in the last two years, I don't think anybody could argue that right now Kepka isn't a little bit better. But I also think there's a big argument for those people that you know say Rory is right there with them. And and my point to that is, Rory has also won four majors. Yes, it's been five years, but Rory did a lot of what Brooks has just done. He won basically four majors in a three and a half year stretch instead of a three year stretch. The difference is Rory has won a lot elsewhere. It hasn't been majors, but he has won a lot elsewhere, and he has won the biggest tournaments that are not majors, the Tour Championship, the FedEx, uh, the Players' Championship, those kind of events. I think it's a lot closer than people think, and I think it's going to be really dependent on, you know, does Kepka continue to dominate the majors, or is he going to go through a stretch like what every golfer has that has, you know, done this? Because since Tiger... We've had a couple of different people that were the heir apparent just in the last six, seven years. You had originally Rory. He won those four majors in three and a half years. Everybody was like, yes, this is the guy. And then he didn't take, you know, the, the brass ring. And then you had Jordan Spieth, who won three majors in a short period of time. 
And everybody thought, you know, he was going to, even after the Augusta collapse, when he wanted to open, people thought, okay, here he goes. He's going to go on this run, and we've seen what's happened to him. And then now Kepka is that next guy. And what's going to be really interesting is, is he going to be the dude that continues to dominate and can truly kind of take that moniker as the best player in the game for more than just a couple of years? Or is it going to be somebody else? Is it going to be one of those guys we mentioned? Is it someone out of nowhere? Where do you stand on this Rory Kepka rivalry right now? Like actually on the the golf course? I mean, it's it's kind of the tale of uh, of two halves per se. When you think of Rory, you think of golf royalty a little. Like I know for me, somebody who doesn't follow the sport um, historically, when Rory hit the scene, it just seemed like the Tiger comparisons came quick. And he was just the next big thing. I mean, he even had his own video game uh, after the whole thing with Tiger fell out. Like, he was he was the prodigal son that was going to take golf uh, and keep it in the mainstream. And then you have a guy like Brooks who, um, from what I've read about him, kind of came up a little rough. Like, he had to do some time on the European uh, circuit. Uh, I think he, he – like, his debut went kind of awful – I can't recall if he lost his tour card or something. He got off to a he really bad start that first year. Yep. Yeah, he struggled. He struggled to 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 you know kind of get his foot in the door. And now that he's arrived, he's got this guy who's basically the silver spoon uh, in Rory, and then you got the blue collar and Brooks. And um, ultimately, I, I think the edge will always go to Rory um, just because of what he means to his country. Uh, what he does internationally and not just in America. Like, he's he's a global uh, name. Like, everybody knows Rory. Rory goes he, – he shows up to China. He's invited to the Skins game, you know. He, he's the one that, that um, got the invitation to the Skins match. Uh, his net worth is out of this world, you know what I'm saying? And, and like I said, he, he has his own video game at one point. And it's just, it's just one of those things that no matter what Brooks does – I don't think when we look back on on their uh, robbery or their time in the prime, I don't think anybody's going to ever put Brooks over Rory just for the body of work that Rory has done. Majors do mean a lot. I understand that. But the sum of all parts, Rory's always going to have the edge. I completely agree. And I I think that the only thing that would change that narrative and Kepka is doing exactly what, you know, the game plan or playbook would be is in the sense that he's winning all these majors. He needs to continue to do that. I stand by that. He needs to win some regular tournament events too. You can't be one of the best ever and only really perform well in majors. I think to me, it, it makes you look selfish and, you know, you're, you're, basically only worried about four events a year and that's just not enough and then the other thing is he's he's gaining attention and I also agree with what you said about you know I love the blue collar versus you know the royalty that is Rory and again that's where the PGA Tour needs to play this up they need you know golf has an advantage that their players are very marketable everybody sees them you know what I mean it's not like with football it's a lot like with the NBA that you know who these guys are. You see a picture, you know who these guys are. And I'm with you that they're not doing a good enough job of basically, you know, kind of feeding the narrative. They need to take a, a lesson from wrestling, which is sometimes so good about this that, you know, when there's not a great narrative there, you have to make one as the governing body and get people talking 
I just hope this rivalry really gets going next year. I actually think it will. I think Kepka is going to continue to do well uh, in majors. He's just got such a solid game, and he's just he's fearless, which is almost unheard of for a guy not named Tiger. And I really do feel like that Rory McIlroy has reached a point where I think he's mad. And I agree with it. You're never going to hear him say the wrong thing. I mean, the way he handled, you know, the, the comment back to Kepka's comment was just so professional and so Rory and thought out, even the way he said he didn't have to remind me, but he said it, you know, with a big smile on his face. So it's like, I'm joking that I think Rory really wants to dominate. And the top tens last year was very impressive. The, the wins were very impressive, but me and you both know it, it's all about that major. And, boy, it would be something if we get to Augusta National. Uh, the uh, One of the two majors Kepka hasn't won. He just gave it away the year before. Rory needs it for the career Grand Slam, and they're going toe-to-toe, you know, on Sunday. I think that mm-hmm. would get a lot of buzz going and obviously be good for golf. I'm a little worried about Brooks' health. Um, I, I, like I said, I've been a fan uh, since he hit the scene with his first major and I've been watching him closely, especially for gambling purposes. And and he it, it worries me that he's still having dis, uh, discomfort. And um, and I don't know if he withdrew last week because of pride or what, but it, it, he doesn't look 100% right now. And with the type of person that he is and the competitor that he is, I, I feel like he's not um, he's not rehabbing the way he should be. I, I really feel like he needs to take some serious time off. Um, because as, when we get later into the President Cup uh, conversation, I've I've really had considerations to to think of dropping him. I mean, he he's, doesn't look good to me. He doesn't look healthy. He doesn't look like he's at his best right now. And and it's not just rust. Um, it's the inconsistency in, in in his game right now. And I'm not used to seeing that out of him uh, since he's been on this run with his uh, major wins. So. Uh, that might play a part too when people look back. Um, Rory might win off of just being the healthier golfer. Absolutely, and that's one thing they've always said about McIlroy's swing. Is most guys that swing really hard. I mean, look at Tiger, Fred Couples. Those guys end up having a lot of health issues. Almost everyone says that Rory, his swing is just built for power and also for not putting a mm-hmm. lot of strain. Everything works so smoothly that. He, you don't ever hear of him having, you know, back issues, shoulder issues, the stuff, neck issues that so many have. But either way, it's going to be a great storyline moving forward, and we appreciate Kepka and Rory for giving us something to talk about. Let's uh, move on to the Skins Game Challenge in Japan. Uh, it was on uh, Monday uh, late night. Uh, it was actually late Sunday evening, early uh uh, excuse me, it was Monday afternoon, late Sunday, early Monday uh, in America. It was between Tiger, Rory, Jason Day, and Hideki Matsuyama being the hometown boy. That's the only reason he got into that. Don't kid yourself. Jason Day was only in it, I think, because he's such good buddies with Tiger. I didn't totally understand that anyway. But they played an 18-hole skins match. Day ended up winning the most skins money at 210K. He won the most individual skins as well. Tiger and Rory each earned 60K, and Hideki earned 20K, so nobody was shut out. Hideki won one skin. The match included several skills challenges, including pairing up with a national rugby player for a hole where they did a scramble. That was kind of interesting. The World Cup of Rugby is going on in Japan as we speak. 
They had a one-club challenge hole, which if you don't know, that means that you literally play the entire hole with one golf club. It's pretty cool to see that. I would like to see Rory man up and, and hit the five wood and try to get to a par five and two with just two five woods. But uh, it is what it is. And then the other one that was pretty interesting, and I didn't know this until watching the telecast, that in Japan, most golf courses have two greens on each hole. And it's for a summer and a winter. For those who either live in a really warm or colder climate, you know that like if you live up north, you have bent greens. So that would be the winter greens. And if you live uh, in somewhere hot, it's typically you have Bermuda greens because they can take the heat and stress stuff. Well, Japan apparently just has two courses or two greens on each hole of almost every golf course. And you rotate depending on the weather and time of the season. Well, they had a hole where the guys could pick either green and they had flags in both of those. That was the only hole that did that, which also was kind of interesting. Overall, what did you think of the skins competition? Did you stay up that late and watch it? Did you tape it and watch it? What'd you do? Man, listen, um, like I said, I'm, I'm just learning golf as a sport. Um, not too long ago. So I stayed up to watch it just out of curiosity. Cause this was my first time seeing the skins, um, that, I didn't have to pay for it, which I think Phil and uh, Phil and uh, Tiger was basically the same thing, right? And to me, yep, it seemed like the, the same part. thing. They, they were just, just bad, they, bad. It is. they yeah. just did winter all. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So um, I stayed up um, and, and watched, and some of it was for notes uh, for the tournament. And then I, too, was very confused about the two greens and had to do my research and Google it uh, to see what was going on. But then it was it was funny that you mentioned the one hole where they could pick either one. And I think, like, Tiger got caught between them, and he kind of right. beat uh, Jason Day. <laughs> like, he was going to go from one side. Because I think Jason Day went before him, and Jason Day hit it on a green. He was uh, looking to get Tiger to hit it on the same green or something like that. So he could get a read, and Tiger just switched it up on him at the last minute. Um, I did like the insight from the players just to see them, like, you know, talk about things other than golf. There was uh, one point where Rory and uh, Tiger were actually talking about the um, the rugby tournament and uh, explained it to one another, and, and I thought that was really cool. Um, it, it was nice to see them just kind of play relax, you know. Um, I think that my favorite part of the entire telecast was on the par three where everybody hit the water except for Tiger. <laughs> yep. And he like, didn't hit a great shot, but he didn't on. go in the drink. Not yet, he right? to the bunker. And I, and I think it was at that point where I was, like, groggy, and it was, like, 2.30 a.m., and I even posted in the group. I was like, this is the worst golf I've ever seen. <laughs> and um, and then I ended up uh, going to sleep, and I had to come back and watch the replay for the, for the back nine. But overall, I, I think it was a success. I would like to see it um, a little more often. Um, I think those are the type of matches that people could really get into and learn about the players and stuff. Um, my issue is yet again is that it's on Golf Channel. It's not something that people really watch, and I feel like I'm the type of person that golf should target. And, and gambling aside, I'm no, I'm not a golfer. I don't go to the courses. I don't know anything about the woods, the irons, any of that. But I'm interested in the sport. I'm interested in the athletes, and I'm eager to learn. And I don't mind sitting down and watching a, a, a golf tournament uh, just because I'm interested in the sport. But it's like you have to, you should cater a little bit more to, to that demographic. And in order to do that, you have to reach those people. They they don't have Golf Channel subscriptions or the golf or the PGA Tour app. 
a lot of these guys watch ESPN, Fox, ABC, NBC, CBS, and yeah, you catch them for the final round um, on on some of your weekend tournaments. But like the Skins Challenge would have been great if it was on ESPN. Uh, just like the the Tiger and Phil uh, competition, it's sold because of the names, but like you said, those guys are old. They're on their way out. You're not going to be able to do Tiger and Phil three, four years down the road. Nobody's going to want to pay to watch that. So you really have to promote these other other players. And, and I really would like to see that done uh, here in America, um, not just in Asia, but also in Europe. But, you know, at every little stop of the tour, when they do these different um, continents, throw a skins together. I love it. I, I've been saying for a while that I think the PGA Tour would – they need to look at the model that either a UFC has done where almost all their things are on UFC Plus or you – know, or excuse me, ESPN Plus or ESPN, or look at the WWE model where they have their own network. That way you could provide as much coverage as possible – I mean, I, I guarantee you if they filled their programming with guaranteeing you would see every shot of every tournament, if, you know, if you like, and then specials where you get to know the players and stuff, and just using social media more as a whole, I'm with you. They would reach a lot bigger players, and it gets back to, you know, kind of what's struggling with baseball, that they get stuck in their old ways, you know what I mean? And you have a lot of older people that are running these organizations that are kind of stuck in the mud and doing, you know, their same thing. So for the skins competition, I just want to, for if anybody has either, if you're young, you haven't seen very many of these, uh, like in your mid to early twenties, or if you're just getting into golf, they were really big in the eighties and nineties. I'm with you that they're a great format. They used to, I believe, be on either ABC or NBC. They were on Sundays. They used to always do one on Thanksgiving uh, back in the late, uh, 80s, early 90s, uh, and it's great, again, because like what you were saying, you get so much more access to the players. It's something I wish they would do in regular events. I understand why they don't, because in a heat of competition, somebody might say something that they regret. Just look what happened to Sam Darnold the other night. There's a reason you should control the you know, <laughs> access. And, you know, I get that, but they, like what you're saying, this is a perfect opportunity to not only, you know, get to grow the game, but also, you know, highlight these guys' personalities. I thought it was really interesting how buddy-buddy Jason Day and Tiger Woods, uh, Woods are. You had heard that, but I've always just kind of assumed Tiger Woods is such a big star that he's not really close with any of those guys, and he definitely wasn't a decade ago. You could tell they were really buddies so much to the point Tiger gave him the vest off of his back. Like, I don't know if you noticed that, on about the seventh hole, all of a sudden, Jason Day is wearing the vest that Tiger was wearing, that he asked him if it was cashmere earlier in the match, and Tiger had put on the full sweater, which I just thought that was really cool. It's like big brother, little brother. Uh, and I, I do wish they would do more of these. I think the downside and the reason why you've seen them kind of go away is the fact that the purses are so big now on regular you know, tournament events that what they played for is about around what they would play for in most games. I think the biggest one I ever saw was like a million bucks. Hell, you're going to win more than that. You know what I mean? Winning just about any PGA Tour event, like what the the purse that the players played for uh, this week, hell, you could finish like fourth or fifth in a lot of events. 
and, you know, make more than if you won every single skin. So I think in order to do that, they're going to have to get advertising dollars, tour dollars, whatever it may be, to make the purses to where guys are like, you know, yeah, I'll go play 18 with no pressure for, you know, five, ten million. Look what Tiger and Phil did uh, last Thanksgiving. So I, I think it would definitely be something uh, that they should do more of on tour. Is there anything significant you took from this? Or do you want to add um, anything? Go ahead. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, to 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 what you were saying, if you can't get the Tigers and, and the Phils and that, get get the Hovlins, get the um, Morikawa, get get those guys. Like, we've got a lot of um, – I can't believe I just said we, but it's true because I'm a fan now. But golf has a <laughs> hey, lot well, of you're, good You're part of the golf community. There's, there's, been, there's been a lot of um, – there's been a lot of um, competition in the golfing world that's not just exclusive to the, the JTs and the Xander Shoffleys and, and the Brooks. Like, some of these smaller tournaments have been really cool, and um, I, I really think that they could build off of um, – and if you're talking about, you know, looking towards the future and getting other guys out um, in the open, like guys like Matt, Matt Wolf and stuff like that, it's probably where you should start. They're also – in the social media uh, era where they're, they're young enough, they use it a lot. Um, it, it would just be cool uh, to, to maybe do a skins junior, you know, skins for some of the guys who are fresh off the corn ferry or something like that, or, or set it for like a, a skins for guys who have one to three wins on tour or something like that, you know, just kind of mix it up to just introduce more people. And, and I really think, uh, that's the model they need to go. And, and you were talking about, you know, network contracts and things like that. Um, ultimately, it's it's about sponsorship by him. I mean, FedEx has got enough money, man. There's no way they're hurting. Oh, like, yeah. they, they, like, they couldn't do it. I mean, was MGM did this last one? Um, I'm, I'm sure, like, they're opening up MGMs worldwide, like, frequently now. And if MGM could carry boxing for 20, 30 years, they could carry golf for four or five easily. Um and and just make it more personal, you know, do do a skins that's like USA versus the world type thing or something like that. I don't know. Just just add something to incentivize uh a lot of these golfers and I really think it, it would pick up and take off. Absolutely that that all a hundred and ten percent agree. Uh I'll tell the one thing I'm gonna ask you because I started to ask sorry to interrupt you. Is there anything of significance that you took from this? For me, there was only one thing, and it's uh, and again, everybody who has listened to the podcast knows, huge Tiger lover here. Like, you know, grew up basically really got into golf right when he won the Masters. I was 16 years old, so I'm a huge fan. But it's really big for me. He looked healthy, which that's great, and that you know leads to a, you know, hopefully good things next year for golf fans. But more importantly for me. He genuinely looks happy uh, for the first time in his life. I mean, me and a buddy were talking about it yesterday. I I just can't believe that you would tell me five years ago that Tiger Woods would be smiling, laughing. He was joking about on the first hole when he was basically in his pocket, and Jason Day said, that's good, and it was a 20-footer for bogey, and he's laughing about it. Tiger Woods five years ago would have probably never talked to Jason Day again if he called him out like that, you know, in a public setting. 
and it just really is good for the sport. I wish Tiger, and again, this is one of his biggest supporters, I wish he would have been more of this kind of Tiger, uh, you know, all along, because I think that he would be more loved than Arnie, who is still, in my opinion, the most loved golfer who has ever played, not the most respected or greatest, but just the most loved. And it would be so good for the game because I think so many guys on tour were afraid to interact with them, try to get friendships with them, advice, et cetera, because of, you know, the the wall that he built. And I'm sure a lot of that led to championships and, you know, all of his wins. But if you look this year, a kinder, you know, a kinder, gentler Tiger has just in the last 14 months won a tour championship. He won at Augusta. He can, he's so good. He can win anyways. And it just, it, it, I'm very excited that he looks healthy, and I'm even more excited that he just looks genuinely happy. Is there anything of significance you took from this? I know it's kind of a silly, just, you know, special. Oh, no, I I took something significant from it. Uh, The greens were really tricky. Uh, The wind was in play this weekend, and God help you if you use a driver primarily. It's just not possible. (laughs) So, I mean, I got some good notes. That's Uh, a gambler right there, man. That is a gambler. I love it. I was I was on it, man. I was on it. But uh, other than other than um, what you were saying, um, I mean, you're a fan. I just I'll just be blunt about it. To me, that just tells me that the end is near for Tiger. He's accepted it, um, and it's it's he's willing to go ahead and have a little fun on his way out, which is fine. I think Phil's kind of coming to that point too. Um, he it, it's looks harder for Phil than it does for Tiger at times uh, because Tiger won the Masters last year, but. Um, these guys are accepting the fact that they're now the old farts on the tour and um, they, they're just having fun with it. And I think that's good for um, the confidence of the young guys. You know, like you said, uh, like I think um, one of my favorite moments was um, watching Tiger uh, with uh, JT uh, at one of the last tournaments um, a couple months back where I used to get the vibe that Tiger would have just stared a hole through somebody or, or just been so, like, mean, you know, because he was just so competitive when he was in his prime and, and he just had this, like, air, arrogance about him um, around competitors. But um, he's lighting up a whole lot, and it's really good. It's really helping a lot of guys um, on tour and kind of showing, you know, how you should be. I don't think the old Tiger was really how you should be if you were an ambassador for the game, but I think this new Tiger is. I completely agree. Look at the, you know, the Kevin Knott sawgrass this year with, you know, Kevin Knott being notorious for getting the ball out of the hole a little too quickly for some people's liking. I absolutely love it. And Tiger having fun with them, with them both making two and basically grabbing the ball before it went in the hole. And, uh, you know, for Phil Mickelson, I think a lot of that, honestly, is the fact that he has not won a U.S. Open. Uh, He knows how close he is to being considered probably one of the top five golfers of all time. I think if he just had a U.S. Open to where he was one of those five people that had a grand, you know, won each of the majors, you can make a really compelling case for him with how much more difficult it is to win on tour. And sometimes I wonder if Phil is not deep down a little bitter about that. But as somebody who was, I'm telling you, the biggest Phil hater ever, Growing up being a big Tiger fan, I have just came to respect and just love the personality that Phil Mickelson is because Phil has always been Phil 
uh, that he's silly. He loves to talk smack. He loves to gamble. Uh, he's a lot like a lot of dudes, just with a lot more resources, uh, and that's awesome. Real quick, what's uh, your favorite and least favorite uh, part of this format? Like uh, my game. favorite, I think my favorite part is the mics, just because we can really hear guys talking, and, and it's it's not scripted. Like, they're really just talking as if nobody's there. Um, I think my, my least favorite part is um it's probably the pace a little um just because there were times where there was like too too much of a lull um with guys joking around you know so i i I don't know how they would fix that but i would hate to see it turn into something like what we we see with the dunk competition and other exhibitions uh in pro sports where where you you kind of get away from the fact that it's still a competition per se you know where it gets a little too, too friendly. Um, and, I, and I guess going forward, if they did it again to kind of find a balancing act, maybe make the last, like, four holes, um, like, triple the points or, or triple the money or something like that, or or you could double down on a bet or something, like, just, just add a little twist that would kind of keep the, the competitive juices uh, flowing more consistently. Man, we are so – Spot on on these, but my favorite part is the mic'd up, the access, uh, and my least favorite is, uh, I, you know, I said basically that they don't feel any pressure because, again, this is not a big purse for them. God only knows what Tiger Woods was paid to go play in this tournament because he can't technically be paid a tournament fee because it's a PGA Tour event. That's a rule in the PGA Tour. They don't pay anybody to play any of their tournaments. That doesn't mean the sponsors and different companies and people in Japan didn't pay. Like me and my dad were talking uh, when we were getting ready to, to start the podcast. I would bet it had to be at least a good five, ten million for him to show up in Japan, you know, quickly off of a knee surgery and starting his PGA tour over there. Uh, he definitely got paid. But I would like to see it mean more, and I completely agree with you. The only way you can do that is money. Like, that's it. And the yeah. other thing I would just say I'd like to see is I did like the interviews. I thought it was great. And I wish they would do more of that, but try to get them together. You know, they kind of interviewed them, you know, ask questions to them separately. Try to, you know, steer the conversation between them. And I think it would be a little bit more natural if you're asking both of them, you know, who's your favorite player on tour? Who, you know, who do you not want to see in a Sunday group? When you do that kind of stuff. You might get just a little bit more candor and stuff like that from the players, if you're kind of steering the conversation with questions. Yeah. So I agree. We're going to take a real real quick sponsor break. I want to again thank our sponsor, Sabbath Golf. Please go to sabbathgolf.com. That's S-A-B-B-A-T-H golf.com. They have all kinds of amazing golf apparel. They have just recently added hoodies wind jacket and some putter covers uh i've been lucky enough to have some of their stuff sent to me it's all amazing i've also bought some stuff on the site using our promo code uh and it's it's high quality stuff but you're not paying you know a high price for all of it which is great you will be happy that you did it if you go to sabbathgolf.com please use the promo code two with the number two off the tee, and you will get 15% off of any and all purchases with that promo code. 
So let's move on to this week, the tournament in Japan, the Zozo. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, championship. This is the inaugural event. It features the top 60 players from last year's FedEx Cup standings, the top seven players on the Japan Golf Tour as of, I believe, their Bridgestone Open, which I'm assuming is a big tournament. I don't know. Uh, the top three players in the Bridgestone Open who were not automatically of the seven qualified on the money list, and then they had eight sponsor events. This is the beginning of a six-year tournament between the Japan Tour and the PGA Tour. I believe it's going to start uh, – kind of the, the real PGA season, no offense to the events before, but as you can see, this is the first field that all the big hitters are, are pretty much in. And the TV coverage, it's running right now. We will tell you that. We'll even kind of go over that. But we did make our picks and stuff before that started. We both, uh, or at least I have a guy that is not doing very well that was on one of mine. I'm going to give it to you anyway because I'm just trying to be honest. But <laughs> if you stay up late, the coverage starts on the East Coast at 1030 on uh, Wednesday and Thursday, it runs through 2.30 a.m. And then, uh, or excuse me, at 11 to 3 a.m. on Wednesday, Thursday. And then on Friday, Saturday, it'll be from 10.30 to 2.30 a.m. Some of the feature groups include Justin Thomas, Rory, and Xander for the first round. You have Spieth, Adam Scott, and Hideki. And then Tiger, Fleetwood, and I'm going to butcher this name, but Satoshi Kodera. Uh, I'm assuming one of the Japanese players from the Japanese tour. Uh, I, I do want to say something that Alan had mentioned. This is a shorter golf course. You do not have to bomb it. It's very tight. Uh, the bent greens, which are normally very quick, they're both a speed that they can give you trouble, but also if you get hot, you can make a lot of putts. Uh, and it just, it's really cool that they're having an event in Japan uh, Japan is, you know, arguably in the top five countries in the world where golf is a passion. The people love it. Uh, and I, I think it's great that the PGA Tour is doing an actual PGA Tour sanctioned event over there. Uh, is there anything you want to talk about the event before we get into our picks? Um, no, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I like the idea of um, the PGA Tour um really uh doing like a legitimate uh Asian tour. They were just in Korea and now they're going uh to Japan. Um I would I would love to see it uh continue to grow. Um a lot of the um Asian golfers who have hit the scene um have been really good from my bet too. <laughs> so I'm definitely <laughs> excited. The more the more the merrier, man. Get it get it in every country. Uh Promote the sport. I'm all for it um, becoming more of a global sport than what it is right now, which it is a global sport, but, like, continuing uh, to to really um, push it in other countries as well. And before we go over this, I know we went over this last week. Hope you listened to that Two Off the Tee podcast. If you did not, Alan basically went over his golf gambling. I went over the laundry list of winners. He has given on the IB Sports page over the last year. It is literally ridiculous. He's extremely humble and acts like it's not a big deal. It is. He will win you money. You need to listen to him. Obviously, like with any person that's giving betting advice, that does not mean you're going to win every bet. But he had, I know, of at least 12 winners, which is the hardest thing, without a doubt, in golf gambling to pick. Uh, he is 
really smart at this stuff. Do you want to start with, because this is more of your thing, I do have some picks. They're not, don't trust them. Those are just my opinions. I kind of had them broke them up to long shots, top tens, uh, a winner. Where do you want to start? You tell me. Um, we can start. We can start with the uh, the top twenties and top tens. Um, so it's a no cut event, which is kind of a catch twenty two. Is really nice to have uh, the idea that you're you're going to be able to have a guy they're in saying, play for four days. There's a chance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it happens like that too. Because there's also a time where it's just like, dude, ugh, this is getting worse. Um, it worked out for right, me last over. week. Um, I missed, I missed on Gary Woodland uh, just by a couple strokes, but I mean, JT was awesome. I did not pick a favorite last week. Um, I really thought I could get by uh, taking some mid tier guys. Um, I did make that mistake this week, but either way, I played four props of top twenties, um, which I usually do when there's no cut. All four props hit last week. Um, I don't think any of them were like super big. I think most of them were like two to one. Um, but it's still a, a, a profitable weekend. Um, my top 20s this week uh, kind of went a little off grid. Um, actually, took all Europeans, um, mostly from European tour um, stats, just because in in months past I've had a lot of luck um, when when the golf courses are windy um, and it's not in America. Obviously, uh, taking European tour players. Uh, so I took Fitzpatrick. Um, at plus 150, Sergio at plus 180, Shane Lowry plus 180, and oh my god, I'm gonna jack it up. U- Usen Sizen, or <laughs> I can't use oh, his name. Oh, Louis No, it's a worry. Well, let's yeah, just call him Louis. Louis. Yeah. yeah, Louis. I took Louis at plus 175. So the angle, the angle for me this week was you know, golfers in the wind. Um, I saw a lot of news about the wind having some pretty strong gusts and coming into play the first two rounds. Um, Sergio wasn't necessarily a pick that I like super loved, but he graded well in, in courses that were similar to this uh, with tight fairways and, and windy conditions um, and short courses. So I, I just took a play on him. Um, same with Shane Lowry. Uh the angle there, he's he's he gains a stroke in windy conditions. Uh, he's very uh, solid in strong fields, and um, he's actually not too bad on short courses either. And again, it's a no cut event. Um, you know, you get these guys who play good in the wind. It, as long as they stay within uh, one or two strokes over par uh, for today, I think it's going to be a little less wind tomorrow. But I feel like they're going to have um, some strong plays going into uh, Sunday. So the only one I want to give, it's just a top ten. It was just I went through all of them and I really liked. It was Jason Day was plus 350 uh, for a top ten. I know we can't take too much uh, from, you know, an event like the Skins, but he's going to have seen the course a little bit more than other people. I'm sure that was – you know, they said almost everybody, it was their first time seeing it on Monday. So I'm assuming that means there was very few practice rounds. Like literally, I think the last two days, most of the guys got acquainted with the golf course. He looked good there. And bent greens are the easiest greens to putt on in the world if you're a good putter. Jason Day, it's hard to argue there's a better putter uh, in the world. Uh, there's one guy that I think might be better uh, on bent greens, and I'm going to have him in my long shots, but 
I think Jason Day at plus 350 with the top 10. He's, they, they said on the telecast he had been working on a swing. Uh, I don't consider myself an expert of the golf swing, but I do know a good bit, having taught for a decade, and I do like what he's doing with his swing right now. He's basically trying to uh, create a little bit more rotation. I've always felt like he's a little too much uh, arms, and, and that's kind of why he sometimes has the, the big miss. So uh, I think that would be a good one. What do you think? You think I'm crazy again? I'm not a professional like you. I normally lose money no, rather than win it. No, it's actually it's funny because I took Jason Day top ten too um, based off of what I saw um, the uh, in the skins. And then I took um, another ball striker that I, I always like in windy conditions, um, just the place, not necessarily always the win, but Gary Woodland. Um, Gary was actually uh-huh. going to be one of my long shots, but then I looked at the numbers as far as his odds, and he, was, he wasn't he was as high as I thought he would be in a strong They weren't, yeah. So, yeah, so I was like, well, that kind of sucks. And usually when I see something like that, I feel like it's kind of a trap because people will look and be like, wait, he's only 28 to 1? I thought he was going to be 50 to 1. I'm all over that. Well, when I see that, I go, if he's 28 to 1 and I thought he was closer to 40 to 1, he's he's overvalued. So a lot of times those plays do not work out uh, for, for guys like Gary Whitland. Now, if you get like a Brooks, a Rory – uh, overvalued than, or JT like last week JT was overvalued he was like six to one that's that that's just ridiculous but he won um, this week it was um, I think he was it was JT again at seven to one but I thought Rory was a little overvalued too um, but then I looked at his uh, his numbers in in similar conditions mm-hmm. and so forth and it was pretty accurate but in that sense for Gary what I'm saying is when I saw that I was like I'll just put him in a prop. Um, cause it won't like be it. as risky. Um, so he, he's in my top 10 props too, for just those two, Jason Day and Gary Woodland, um, for winners. Um, w- it was a little tricky to pick, uh, just because of the, the course layout, man. Like this is my first time really diving into a course as narrow and, uh, also with, uh, a course that's, um, windy, and when I say windy, I saw um, balls just get smacked out the air <laughs> when they were playing the uh, skin challenge. It was weird because cause the trees didn't look like it was windy. Like, you you know, you pan the camera out and it doesn't look like any wind's blowing. People are walking. Nobody's looking like they're walking in a gust of wind. But when the ball got in the air, it was just all over the place. Um, and I get what you're saying about bent grass being easy. Um, I've seen that uh, so far. and. and since I've started doing deep dives in the courses, but this course, the, the putting surface, even though the grass, like the material uh, in the bent grass is an easy course, there's a lot of like late break that people were not reading. Um, even when oh, they, they were they trying to be terrible putts and the skin. Yeah, I, so, I completely agree. So How that, many like 10 that, footers are missed, you know? Yeah. That scared me um, a little. So, um, I, I took an angle um, of checking um, the putting numbers a lot uh, for for guys that I, I was picking. And, and I think I did good except for my Adam Scott pick, which I keep picking Adam Scott because I just know he's going to win eventually. But, I mean, talking about putting and, and Adam Scott just seems like a uh, oxymoron. But um, And I what's funny, he's been that way his entire career, man. His entire yeah, career, it's like and I, unbelievable. I'm yeah, and I generally fade him too, but 
I, I, I don't know. I, I just jumped on it. Either way, but he's going to win eventually, and, and it'll probably be the one time I don't play him, and I'm going to be pissed. But um, I took Fleetwood at 25 to 1. I took Adam Scott at 28 to 1 um, just because um, Fleetwood's pr- fairly decent in the win. Um, he's still got some putting issues as well from time to time. Uh, but the, the angle here, again, is, you know, can he sustain playing in the win? and then put himself in a position to compete, uh, to, to close it out. Uh, Paul Casey was one of my favorites. Um, he was a little overvalued, but you look at how consistent he's been um, since he started this uh, 2019 to 2020 uh, tour, and, and just um, his, his numbers in the win uh, were really good, too. So at 25 to 1, I would say he's, he's slightly overvalued, but um, I had to take him. Hideki, you had to take him. I mean, he's got – he's probably the only person um, that we know of um, that would be considered a PGA star that has course history here, um, and it's his home homeland. Uh, Hideki's uh, – he really takes that serious. He, he really loves Japan, loves putting on a show for, for his uh, countrymen, so I took him as well. Uh, my long shot this week was Sergio Garcia, uh, just like I said, based off of – What were the odds on him? Fifty to one, which isn't a true long shot, but when you're looking at so my thing is when you're looking oh, at strong fields, yeah, I was gonna say when you're looking at strong fields, it's kind of a long shot. I mean, I did have hundred to one uh, odds players, that I took that's a long shot. shot. Yeah, so I I took him as my long shot. Um, it was it was close between him and Shane Lowry. Uh, Shane was at forty five to one. Sergio was at fifty to one. So I just took Sergio, um, and then. I picked a hedge play, and by hedge play, I mean somebody that was favored because I did not do this last week, and I was a little bitter about it because JT was just sitting there saying hedge, 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 and I did not. Uh, So this week, I took uh, Rory as my hedge play. Honestly, win the side, this is like the type of tournament that he would win uh, if he was on his game. Uh, One thing about Rory that stands out is that he is absolutely crucial uh, on short courses, uh, I think he's gaining almost yep. two strokes uh, on short courses, which is like twice as good as the next person. Um, and, and that's saying a lot because JT is pretty good on short courses. Um, his putting uh, on this surface is, is very good. Um, he yep. gains strokes um, in every attribute that that you put up against this course in this field. So it was just kind of an obvious hedge play for me. I know um, a lot of people were high on Tony Finau. I'm not back on the Tony Finau um, boat just yet. I, I think he's got some ghosts that he's chasing at times, and, and it usually shows up around uh, round three. So I just need to see a little bit more consistency from him and a, and a little bit more uh, what I consider big numbers from Tony Finau, like some more seven and eight uh, under rounds before I start uh, buying back in on, on the Tony Finau. Um, and then the last thing, um, when you take into consideration win play, uh, Hideki, Rory, and Paul Casey are like your top three um, strokes gained on, on the uh, tour in win. So, uh, again, not generally how I would approach um, uh, a tournament like this, but the win is, is it's tough to really predict. And so if you got guys who've got good numbers, when playing in windy conditions, you, you got to pay attention to that. And then if you don't learn anything else, 
your default when you don't know what to do with windy conditions, find a ball striker because they generally yep. do well in windy conditions. Uh, and that would be why I took Gary Woodland as a top 10 and um, because by default, he's a very good ball striker. So I just roll with that. Love it. And just to kind of follow up on the, the wind thing, as you were asking, courses that have a lot of trees and, and players have a lot of issues at Augusta with the same thing, it is so much harder to judge a wind when there's mm-hmm. trees because guys that hit it high, it might affect them more than, you know, lower. We, we have a par three at my course that is over water, and basically the first 100 yards are blocked by trees both ways. And then the last, like, 50 to 60 yards, it's wide open over water. And, then it's unbelievable sometimes the way your ball will either take off or it's like hitting a wall because basically the wind doesn't play any effect. And then it does at the very end. And if it hits it more when the ball is coming down, it's going to affect it more than if it kind of grabs it right off the bat. And that's where the ball striking comes in. So plays guys that hit it a little bit, you know, firmer, they get a little bit more ball speed. It's typically not quite as high and it goes through the wind and, and that's why they can control it a little better. Uh, I don't have a ton of picks. I just, my long shot was Kevin Kistner. I couldn't believe he was 70 to one. Uh, this course from what I've seen kind of reminds me of like a sawgrass or even uh, the uh, heritage in, in South Carolina it's obviously shorter, but the same kind of course that there's a lot of driving. I don't think that he's going to have an issue where he's going to be able to hit driver on a lot of holes that I noticed Rory and them probably can't unless they're going to end up in the rough. And as we saw, they're playing off Zoizo fairways and rough. And you saw in the skins challenge, if you're in the rough, whew, it was not easy to hit out of and control your distances uh, Kisner has had a top 10 finish in his last three events. They were all FedEx Cup events, similar type fields to this one. I was just kind of shocked that he was 70 to 1. Uh, and again, this kind of looks like of his golf course. So that would be my long shot winner. Uh, my call it a hunch or wishful thinking is uh, Tiger at 35 to 1. Uh, and again, we're going live as this tournament is ongoing. I will tell you, Tiger bogeyed the first three holes, and I was like, well, that was a really good pick. I just checked now. He's back to even. I guess he birdied three holes in a row after he made the three bogeys. Uh, the leaders are only at three under, so I think anybody that, if, if that's around where the number is, four under, three under, anybody at two over or better is still absolutely in this tournament, because that means there's not going to be a lot of really low scores and it's going to be more of a grind. Anytime a tournament is a grind, give me Tiger. And I just think that he's really talked about wanting to get on the Olympic team. You know, he wants to solidify. He's going to be a pick on the President's Cup. He's going to pick himself, but I think he wants to solidify that. So, again, whether you call it a hunch or just wishful thinking by a fan. And then my pick was Hideki at 16-1. to 1. I just think, if not now, when is he ever going to win a really big event? Uh, and I mean, not that this is a huge event, but it's a huge event for him. Uh, I am a little concerned that it would be like Rory at the open, that he's going to put too much pressure on himself. Uh, but he's, you know, arguably the best ball striker on tour. Uh, and I hope that, you know, he might know these greens a little better than most. Maybe that'll help him with his putting, which is almost always his issue. And then real quickly, I'll just go through, funny enough, and, and seriously, we sent these before. 
You got Matjama is now four under. I didn't realize he's only played six holes, so maybe somebody is going to go deep. Of the guys that are right behind him, most of them have already played at least ten holes. Casey's at three under. Kang is at three under. C.T. Pan, who I looked at him for some of the longer shots, he's at three under. You have Morikawa at two under. Wolf is at one under. Tiger just made another birdie on nine. He is one under. His front side consisted of three bogeys, four birdies, and two pars. So uh, I hope he doesn't continue doing that. That course will bite you. And then you got a whole bunch of guys that one under. Uh, unfortunately, my Kisner pick, he's pretty far down there. I'm still scrolling. I don't. He's at two over. McElroy's at one over. We talked about him. Uh, we talked about Fleetwood's at one over. Sergio's at one over. All those guys are right there. Uh, Justin Thomas is at even. Again, if you know the numbers aren't too crazy, uh, anybody within six shots of the lead today with that kind of golf course is not out of it with three rounds to go. And I think the wind is supposed to be worse tomorrow than it is today. Is there anything else you want to talk about on the Zozo? We got one other quick thing i want to go over and then we'll be done with um, this thing not nah, other than uh you'll know by the end of round two who's really going to be in play um because it's, it's really going to matter if you can navigate through this win so uh i guess pat myself on the back because i got two guys in the top three so far Dude, early I, on I, and so you know, it's starting you know out what good. you're talking about <laughs> yeah it's I, starting I out good people, so uh you I'm, I'm, I'm hype about that uh, one other thing real quick, because live betting is obviously something that, you know, for people listening to this and, you know, obviously it's great that we gave you our picks, but the tournament had already started. What do you look for going into a weekend for live betting? Like who to pick? Um, it, it's kind of tough. It's, it's, it's kind of tricky uh, for live betting. Um, did generally depends on who who um is in the lead uh if you get guys uh i think there was one time where like webb simpson was in the lead and he's like historically not a good finisher and i had uh right. somebody like cantley behind him not and i'm just saying theoretically somebody like cantley sure. or rory or somebody like that that that's maybe like four strokes behind where you can get a little value on somebody you know that can post a big number on a on a Sunday. Um, I typically do not live bet until Sunday um, just because anything can happen. Um, if you do right. it right after round one, somebody that shoots a, a, a six could turn around and, and shoot a, a ugly number the next day and miss the cut by like a stroke. So I generally do my bets uh, round, like, you know, before round one. And then after the cut, I'll hedge. And, um, That's you know, I'm there's saying. guys. It's mostly that in you, a hedge situation, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now there were there was a time, like I said uh, in the previous podcast, when we took Matt Wolf uh, live at a seven to one on a Sunday. That was through like two months of following this this golfer, like knowing that he was peaking at the right time and really liking what we had um, on that particular day for uh, the field and and his odds. Um, so we played that live at at seven to one, and that hit. Um, but typically, you don't really get. Uh, scenarios like that a lot of times um, you're not going to get too many guys who are going to be five to one or something like that and they charge back uh, we don't typically right. see that so um, I would just like I said it's just a matter of waiting to after the cut has been made um, and then 
thinking about what you thought was good attributes um, going into the tournament. And then another scenario, like when um, Kevin Na won his uh, his um, his last uh, tournament, he was gaining so many strokes from putting. Like, you had to live bet that after the cut line. Like, this guy's gaining, like, four strokes because of his putter on the field. Like, that that's a, a testament right there. Like, that's something that you can't overlook. So if you didn't have him, um, definitely take him. And I'm saying that because I took Patrick Cantley and ignored all the information because I was just being <laughs> stubborn, and I ended up losing, uh, which, I mean, I, I had some good props that, that match. But Kevin Na was actually not favored, even though he had all those stats working in his favor. Hitting into the final round, Patrick Cantley was favored to win, and Kevin Na was about 2-1. to one. And, and I ignored all the data and still went with Patrick Cantley because he was the bigger name and I knew he could finish. And Na beat him by putting. So um, just the lesson that, learned. That's you what know? you define. It won't ever happen again. That's, yeah, it won't ever happen again. That, that's literally smart money, right? When, you know, as a gambler, yeah. you, you see all this information that's in front of you. If it's literally, you know, too good and you do the research and stuff like somebody like you do, you got to take it, right? Because all the signs are pointing. If it doesn't work out, oh, well, but it's almost like, you know, you're just increasing your odds. Uh, kind of like in blackjack by splitting or, you know, something like that. Uh, and you should look for those opportunities. So real quickly, and then we're going to get out of here because this has gotten a little long. I apologize. Yeah, we sorry. had somebody on the Club <laughs> Junkies page. No, that's hey, you know, I like to gab. Uh, the President's yeah. Cup outlook. And he wanted us to kind of go over everything. Uh, Joe Westberger, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. We're, we're going to go over all this in due time. We're going to talk plenty about the President's Cup. So instead, I just figured me and you would real quickly go over who we think the captain's picks are going to be real quickly. For the Americans, the automatics are Kepka if he's healthy. There's some question about that after comments from both him and Tiger this week. Uh, you have JT, Justin Thomas, Dustin Johnson, Patrick Cantley, Xander Shoffley, Matt Kuchar, Bryson DeChambeau, and Webb Simpson. It's one of the most loaded American teams I can remember. Uh, and then the international teams that are locks are Mark Leishman, Hideki uh, Matsuyama, Louis Oosthuizen, Adam Scott, Adam Anser. Uh, boy, I'm going to screw this up. Lee Hyotong, uh, Cameron Smith, and I'm going to screw this one up to Pan Ching Sung. Uh, so mm-hmm. I broke it down, and let's let's go over this so we can kind of keep it. I think we both agree, right? The Tigers a lock. He's going to pick himself. He shouldn't, but I I feel like he will. I, I do too, and I, I agree with you. Unless he plays well in these next two events, which he does, and they are before the event, I can understand it. Uh, I think it'd be cool for the players, but if he's not in good form, uh, I, I agree with you. I think it would be a good thing for his legacy to truly just be a coach. Uh, the next lot, I think Fowler's a lot. What about you? Yeah, I think Fowler's a lot. Um, I mean – Phenol's probably a lot too. Um, I, I think. Well, that's what I, I was a lot of people so still if We agree on those two, so that basically leaves two spots, and I would say these are the guys: Phenol, Woodland, Reed, Kisner, and Na. Uh, Reed would be because he's Captain America. His his record and experience in Ryder Cups and Presidents Cups. Uh, Kevin Na and Kisner are both 
absolutely, in my opinion, guys, that the U.S. should try to get every year for these things, especially with the captain's picks. It's what the Europeans do, guys that hit fairways, guys that hit greens, and guys that can putt because in match play, that's what you need. Like at the end of the day, you need to make sure you make par, uh, period, and they don't do that. I think that Woodland would be – he's still in pretty good form. It's not as good as he was earlier in the year. I think that would be more of an achievement deal. And then Finau played fantastic. He was one of the few bright spots in the Ryder Cup. Which two would you pick out of that group? Um, well, I don't like the Kisner uh, pick. I would challenge that with, with Chez uh, Revy. Revy, Revy, however you say it. I like Chez. I think Chez has been pretty consistent. Um, I, I don't know. You know, you talked about people making par and stuff. I feel like he's one of those guys that, that avoids the bogeys and, and finds a way to at least uh, shoot even, which is why I think he's had so many consistent uh, finishes over the last, like, year. I think he's played very well. I would make an argument over well, Kisner. Oh. Well, the only thing that Kisner has going for him is he was on the last President's Cup team. I believe he went, like, 3-0-1. Uh, he had three wins and a tie. And then his match play record. I mean, you know, he won the match play this year. He has one of the best match play records at that event on tour. Uh, he, for whatever reason, seems to play his best golf in that. But neither one of them are bad picks. I would probably, if it was me, I would go with either Kisner and Na or Kisner and Finau. Uh, so you said you would go with potentially Chaz or would you go with one who 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 would be basically your two picks because we're saying Tiger and Fowler we both agree I, I think they're in yeah I would I would say all right so if I had to pick between all of them um I I gotta go with Nah right now um just because back to the putting it. thing like he he's been putting like a monster he's unreal and then yep. um and this is already assuming that Fowler and and, and uh, Tiger has have yeah, made it. Yeah, we're we're assuming. Yeah, we're assuming. Oh, the, right, the then, first two. Then, so I then Reed 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 and Na should do it. Yep, I like Reed it. And should do it. All right, so yeah, for the internationals, uh, they don't have quite as many names. I mean, I guess they could if you want to, you know, break it out. But uh, we can all assume Jason Day is a lock. He was ninth, the first person out of their top eight. He's played in every one of these the last, I think, three or four. He's going to play. Like, he, he's a lock. So that leaves three spots for basically, from everything I've read, there's really, honestly, only three guys that are probably going to get, or maybe four. So you got On, who just won last week, uh, is also got a pretty good record in match play events. He has not played in a team event, but he's individually match play. You have Neiman, who, again, has just won. Very young. I think if I was international squad, I would definitely add him just because he's so young. I think he's going to be such a great golfer. People don't realize how big of an amateur career uh, that guy had because they only know about the stuff he accomplished in America. He did a bunch of stuff overseas. Uh, and then you got Sungjae and your boy M, who we talked about uh, on the last podcast, is the guy you've been paying attention to. I think he's a lock. Uh, so, and then the only other person I saw was Hadwin, and it's one of those deals that sometimes, and it's part of I think the reason the international team hasn't done as well. They try to get somebody from as many countries as possible, and I've seen some people say that way he's definitely the best Canadian. You add another country to it, 
I'm sorry. If I had as much success as the international team has had in this event, I would be picking my best damn four players, and I would not be worrying about that. And it has seriously been, you know, told that they they look at that when they make these decisions. Who who would be your picks? That we'll, we'll assume that days in, and uh, I don't I don't know if I'm pronouncing that M M I'm. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna say he's in too with his recent play. Who would you pick out of the other four on Neiman, uh, Sungjae, and Hadwin? Get give me two of them. So I would definitely pick on and uh, and Neiman. Now I will say this: um, I don't think you cannot pick Neiman. I mean Neiman's playing really good right now. He's playing really good golf. Yep. Um, very consistent, and and he's got the. Uh, competitive drive that you look for um, in, in a competition like this. I want to see uh, Emiliano uh, Grillo get a little bit of love. You're right. He, no, he's, that's somebody he just, I left he off. Just doesn't, the problem is he doesn't put together an entire, like, tournament. But it, it's, it's pretty good for at least two and a half rounds. <laughs> But uh, I mean, he, he's also another guy that honestly you're just kind of waiting for him to just finally break through. Uh, not in a level competition, but in some of these smaller tournaments, you just you're just waiting for him to finally break through. But um, he's he's got a good game, and and he doesn't get uh, rattled a lot. Um, I would, and he's also been in some um, pretty big tournaments as well. So I don't know how he would do in, in necessarily in this format, but he would be somebody I would give consideration to. And actually, there was one other name that I can't believe I missed. I just saw him scrolling through the leaderboard for this. C.T. Pan has had a really good uh, last year, and he would be eligible uh, for the international team. And, I mean, he definitely deserves some uh, consideration. He uh, is probably, a you know, one more presence cup away from being a real serious consideration, but he definitely uh, needs to at least be, you know, named with the rest of the guys. So, any other thoughts, real quick, on the captain's picks? Uh, no, I think those are those are all solid picks. I fully expect Team USA to win, but um, I can you, see uh, how they could definitely you, lose. <laughs> is this have, is this kind of your first team? Did you get into the Ryder Cup last year? I, I can't remember when you told me you really. I know Man, you got in the game. The only you really got into watching so, the golf. I did not want to get into the Ryder Cup, but it was like a, a dead period for gambling for me. So I took some uh, yep. individual um, bets on, like, the spread. And it was pretty exciting, but um, from what I understand from reading up on the Ryder Cup was historically that Team USA just chokes. <laughs> so I just made sure I took an individual matchup. And uh, I did pretty well because of, of uh, Patrick Reed because I've seen him, um, when he's hot, he's one of the better golfers on tour. You just have to catch him when he's hot, and and he was rolling. And so he loves match play. And what's so interesting is, you know, I've been obviously Ryder Cups has been, a, you know, basically the fifth major. Honestly, is kind of what I was taught from when I was young watching it. And it was so weird that the U.S. dominated up until basically I was born. And then right in the 80s slash 90s, it went to 50-50 where they were winning back and forth. And, man, holy crap since, uh, well, basically since Brookline, when the U.S. had an unbelievable comeback, uh, we just got trounced. I think we've won two out of the last seven or eight. Uh, and I have one other good buddy who is a really big gambler, and he said one of the easiest 
wins in the world. It's taking European teams, individual, and them to win the cup every year because he said, you know, Americans will think that, oh, we're going to win. Our team's better on paper, which it always is. And he goes, every year they get drubbed. And he's like, it's just especially in the uh, the four balls. He was like, it, it's literally just like taking candy. I think the Europeans in the last three four balls have won a minimum of two and a half points in each one of them, which is just unheard of. They've had, I think, two four O's. Uh, so I think you'll like the President's Cup's a little bit more lax. The U.S. normally dominates, but it, it still creates some moments, and it's a fun tournament. Alan, man, I appreciate you so much coming on here. And uh, we're no definitely problem. going to start trying to do the podcast on either Tuesday or Wednesday, uh, have it posted on iTunes. We're going to try to get uh, Alan to come on. If you can't, every week, most weeks, just to give some picks because I'm telling you guys, this guy knows what he's talking about. Uh, so this is Keith Fleming, uh, IB Jesus, a.k.a. Alan, a.k.a. Actively Lazy on uh, social media. <laughs> Real quick, do you want to plug your college football show? Oh, uh, yeah, we do a uh, IB in college football podcast uh, every week. Uh, it's generally on Wednesdays at 8.30. We had a scheduling conflict this week, but it's on um, – it's on tomorrow, which is Thursday at eight thirty. I have given out um some underdog plays over the last uh two to three weeks. I've had uh, a six to one parlay, a seven to one parlay. I called Tennessee um Tennessee's first win outright uh at a two to one dog. Um I've had some, some really good hits um playing underdog, so I'm trying to keep that rolling, so tune in. I've got a good underdog play this week as well. Um, if you're listening, Michigan, it ain't much, but some people might buy into it and make it even better, but take Michigan outright. I keep telling people, this guy knows what he's talking about. You can go to the IB Sports page. Uh, even if you just join it on Facebook group, he gives some picks on there for free. For $5 a month, you can get all of his picks. It's worth it, guys. Uh, join the IB Sports page. Please join Club Junkies. Please be sure to uh, – rate and review and obviously follow the IB Sports podcast feed for the Two Off the Tee podcast, college football, and much other things. We appreciate it. This has been Keith and Alan for a edition of Two Off the Tee podcast. We want to wish Scott a lot of luck on his date tonight. Hopefully that went really well. And we want to thank Sabbath Golf, uh, our sponsor, and we will see you guys soon. Hit them straight. See you, Alan. Good luck, Scott. (laughs) Later.